Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Lori Holden from The Walking Dead and The X-Files, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. Delicious strawberry flavor. You are listening to the Sci Fi Diner podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 105. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog, and with me is the immaculate, the beautiful, the awesome, the strong, Miles McLaughlin. Did anybody tell Scott he needs glasses? Yes, yes. But uh, hello, I am Miles McLaughlin, and we are delighted to be with you today. And I have not been drinking tonight. Maybe he should have been. <laughs> Maybe I should have been. Mm-hmm. And it clarified everything for me. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you have never tuned in, you are in for one heck of a ride. We have an awesome show for you with some great trivia and some great prizes, don't we, Miles? We do. We do. We Oh, man. Great. Uh, we just give away to Jason the Walking Dead signed print from Laurie Holden. I have yet to send that to you, Jason, but I will. <coughs> I will. Mm-hmm. It's sitting right in front of me. I just can't bear it apart with Laurie Holden. You know, I all bloodied up. Yeah. But anyways, but tonight we have new trivia. Mm-hmm. We have news. We have an interview with Aaron Rosenberg. It's going to be a very good evening. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. It always is. Always is. Miles, how in the heck are you doing? Doing fine. And uh, I'm still enjoying uh, Stargate SG-1. I broke episode 100 recently. Yep, and that's a milestone. Mm-hmm. As did I with Voyager, but it took me a little bit longer to get there, I think. I don't I know. Think. Maybe it's about the same. Maybe I'm going through it about the same pace. Yeah. But uh depends whether, whether I'm running on the treadmill at home mm-hmm. or at the gym. So either way, either way. Well, tonight, let's talk about the show that we have in before us. We, of course, as I mentioned, are going to be doing an interview with Aaron Rosenberg. Actually, I did the interview. You were off. Watching Trisha Helfer or something at some, uh, panel, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Rosenberg, of course, is known as a Star Trek author and Stargate author. He's done some Stargate work as far as writing for the novelizations of it, but he's going to be talking about a new book series he's out called The Scattered Earth Saga that he's one of three authors that are kind of partnering in this whole saga. And the first book in the series is called The Birth of the Dread Remora. It's phenomenal. He's also a part of an adventure called Crazy Press, which includes a lot of good and great Star Trek authors like Peter David, mm-hmm. Glenn Hellman, and uh, uh, Michael Jan Friedman, and Bob Greenberger, who, who, whom you've heard in this show if you've been listening long enough. Right. And many, there's some others I'm forgetting. I'm very sorry I'm forgetting them if you're on that. But uh, anyway, so we just want to bring you this interview and talk a little bit about that later on. We have our new trivia. It is going to be... Some dollhouse slash matrix trivia. Mm-hmm. See how well you know your dollhouse 
you know, slash matrix. Trivia. And listen, you can go to IMDb if you don't. So <laughs> this, we don't make it that hard for you. Uh, and also, um, we will be uh, covering some news. And so in our TV news tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about Fringe. A trailer was leaked in Fringe. We're going to give our, our feedback and our thoughts on it. We're going to give you when your sci-fi fall shows are going to be premiering, and there is a heck of them. We are not watching all of them. No. Despite what Kevin Batchelor thinks we can do, I'm sorry, I do not have the hourglass that I can turn over three times. And if you're a potter, if you're a potterphile, you know that. Or he has some ability, you know, to time travel. Right. Or make, make, make his, his days and weeks and hours in the day longer where he can fits it all in. Right, right. I don't have that ability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I was joking with you on fan, on Facebook, uh, that uh, you have no life. Just for that crack, you can't go through my Stargate. I, I want to go say, <laughs> I made some crack about him building a Stargate in his backyard. And, mm-hmm. But, uh, in comic news, we have some comic, oh, in movie news, I guess you mentioned Deathly Hallows. Of course, we just made reference to it. Made uh, broke international box office records. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Comics DC changes Superman. Will be bigger than we thought. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit, or Miles will. Mm-hmm. We will also talk about the full specs for Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. Year One. So a movie that you're looking forward to, a DVD you're looking forward to, Miles? Very much so. Yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Also on the menu tonight... My cursor will slide here. Um, is the twist, and Miles is going to be talking about a bunch of different things, including the rumor that Chris Pine is in consideration as a new RoboCop. I can't imagine this RoboCop. I, I can't either, but it's an interesting rumor, and uh, well, we got to talk about it. Yep, we do. Um, the Captains is going to be screening uh, at a bunch of different places, and Leonard Nimoy makes it official; he is retiring. <coughs> Hmm. Retiring, sorry. And uh, Mary, the DVD, the DVD geeks, Televixen is making a bid to be the new Dr. Diener. Right. So it'll be cool. And then for the Sci-Fi 5 and 5, we have J.P. Harvey talking about his five favorite sci-fi TV shows from childhood. Cool. So that'll be a good trip down memory lane. I always enjoy so, those. Yeah, that's always good. Mm-hmm. So that's the show. That's a pretty big show tonight. Are we going to get through this all, Miles? We're going to try. Where we are. Why don't we start off with some trivia, and why don't you go ahead and give us the trivia prize first of all. What are we giving away for this trivia prize? We are giving away a lovely uh, autograph signed print of uh, Sally Kellerman when she was in the episode of uh, the original Star Trek series uh, where no man has gone before, and it's a picture of her and William Shatner. So her part is signed if you're in a, in a convention where – William Shatner is a guest, and he signed the autographs. Well, that would be a, great for your collection. It'd be great for your collection, anyways. She was also in Mash later on, and oh, she did. She's done tons of stuff. Rodney Dangerfield. We'll be bringing that interview, by the way, in about two, three weeks here. So she's in that movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. yeah. So, so real, we had a real good interview with her, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we're going to bring that to you in a few weeks, but we have the signed print by her, and unfortunately, Shatner did not sign it, but that's all right. (laughs) We're giving it away as a prize. What do they need to do to try and win this prize? Well, you need to answer this question correctly. Uh, What does Dollhouse have in common with the Matrix, Reloaded, and Revolutions? And the answer is, well, we aren't going to tell you. Nope. You've got to do some digging, folks. Yep. But uh, the the code word, we should give them a code word, right? Mm -hmm. So the code word for this is Echo. 
Echo. Cool. That's a good one. That's a good, that's a good one. So the code word is echoes. So bringing back some dollhouse stuff there. Um, I should write that down on my notes so I make sure to, you know, remember that that is indeed <laughs> the code word. So that's it. So, and you will have until August 4th to answer this trivia. So it gives you about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So two weeks to answer this trivia. And we'll go from there. Well, let's get into news. And before we do so, let's hear from our good friends at Gatecast. Miles, you talked about listening to some of theirs. You're at Season 5, so you listened to their Season 5 opener. Mm-hmm. And uh, some good insight, huh? Right. They uh, talk about um, – they're, 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 they, sh- they show excerpts of the episode and, and give their commentary of it. And maybe just give some uh, fun facts uh, behind uh, what they're doing there, too. And it always makes it come alive a little bit. So Mike create a course whom you've heard on this show, mm-hmm. and especially if you've been listening to the Listener Feedback Show, has obviously is, is part of that. So mm-hmm. so here it is, the Gatecast. I am the System Lord Montu. For many years, the people of the Tare have rejected our benevolent guidance. This cannot be allowed to continue, and for the good of the peoples of the galaxy, we offer up the evidence of their ignorance, in the hopes they see the truth and accept us as their gods. The chronicles of the Tare can be found under Kara, those with the Shepparai, and the people of the Tare, the evidence of their ignorance resides on the internet at gatecast.facecast.com, or search the web, or use your podcatcher for Gatecast. Listen to the words of the Krishta, Alan and Mike. Their comments and insights into the actions of Stargate Command are worthy. Jaffa Kree. All right, Miles, let's move in to our news segment here tonight. And our first bit of news hit us big. And there might be a little bit of spoilers here, so I'm just going to premise this. This is a fringe trailer. I don't think it was leaked. A fringe trailer and our discussion about what it might entail. But if you aren't up to date in fringe, there might be some spoilers in here. And why don't you go ahead and read this little write-up here. Did that fringe season three cliffhanger leave you wanting to know more right now? Like what the heck happened to Peter Bishop, played by Joshua Jackson? We can't help you with that. But as the fourth season approaches, we can share the show's first tantalizing teaser, though we're afraid it might make this even more painful. It's, it's Peter's baby, and the possible merger of two different dimensions is enough drama. Then take a look at this new sh- super short, seconds-long fringe uh, trailer teaser. It features uh, Peter telling Olivia Dunham, played by Anna Torv, there are things happening here that I can't even begin to explain. I'm not going to anywhere until I can. At the end of the teaser, you really need to pay attention as it leaves us with a little black title card upside down and backward that says, where is Peter Bishop? A real mind freak moment. <laughs> what did you, what did you think when you saw this? Honestly, well, it sounds like he, 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 he's doing something. I don't know if his existence has been erased. I mean, the, the observers seem to, Strongly suggest that, but it seems like he's doing something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, it, when I saw this trailer, first of all, no surprise here. We we've been talking about if you listen to our whole fringe debate with the sci-fi Christian, Peter's going to be back, mm-hmm. right? So Peter's going to be back, and the clip of the machine. We see a little brief clip of the machine room where we saw at the end of the Livies and Walters, 
And third, Olivia can apparently hear or see Peter. Now, is that sort of a Cortexa fan? Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. Um, and and then lastly, when you see the clip that stops the upside down and backwards for, you know, where's Peter? Mm. And that made me think, well, if you take a mirror to that, that reverses it. Yeah, yeah, it does. So are we dealing with now mirror universes? And what's the difference between that and parallel universes? We had this huge, Jason and I had this huge long debate in Facebook about it. But, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mirror universe kind of comes from Star Trek a little bit. Yeah. And what's um, the theory behind that a little bit? Well, that there is a, there's not a universe, there's a multiverse. And basically that it, there's other parallel Earths out there with parallel versions of yourself and everybody else for the most part. And some could be very similar to the universe we live in now and some could be like totally different. I guess what they would call that a mirror universe, kind of like if you're, you know, a good kind person, then in a mirror universe, you're probably a evil person or something. Yeah, an axe murderer or something. Yeah. This is more like sliders a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it kind of has, it's more like the sliders feel thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, uh, and so the question is, has the alternate universe, is that a mirror universe? Or, or an alternate timeline. And I was, maybe someday we got to try to interview this guy. His name's Christopher Bennett, the guy who wrote that Star Trek novel I was telling you about. Because uh, he would know this stuff. He's uh, Miles. It's your goal now to set up an interview with him. Okay, but um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because I, I asked him, I said, "Is is an alternate timeline the same as an alternate universe?" And he says, "Not really. Um, alternate timelines can exist parallel with another timeline or whatever." So is the, but to me, it just comes to semantics. I mean, it, it, it is a different universe per se. So. It is, it is. So I, I don't know what we're going to be seeing here, but Peter's not gone. No, and, and, and as far as I didn't put much stock into when the, when the observers say Peter Bishop never existed. Anytime time travel or messing around with time is involved, the word never is a relative term. That's like saying, you know, Crychek's dead or, you know, or any characters died off from a certain TV series and the next season they're back. Exactly. You, you know, there's... Shows are notorious. Mm-hmm. Hey, Starbuck was dead. That's and a whole. She came back, and she she came back. <laughs> right, she came back, and mm-hmm. where was she? Is she real? We, which we never really got answers for. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure she did either. According <laughs> to our you know interview we did with her, mm-hmm. let's move into our next piece of news here. Our next piece of news is talking about some of the fall sci-fi show dates, and let me just run down through the list of these and when they are premiering. So get your day timers out. No one uses a day timer anymore. Your calendar, your uh, wherever you wherever you record the dates as far as your shows, because you won't be able to DVR them quite yet. Mm-hmm. But here are the shows that are premiering, and. Uh, there's no write-up about them. So if you don't know about these shows, you'll just have to look them up on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are all sci-fi shows are all sci-fi related. Death Valley on MTV. Uh, series premieres Mondays, uh, Monday at August 29th at 10.30 p.m. Don't know anything about it. Never heard of it. No. Uh, Vampire – do you want to read the next one? Sure. Every other. Vampire Diaries uh, on the CW. Season 3 premieres Thursday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Right. So, notice there's a little bit of jump there, so maybe you can watch Death Valley if you have nothing else to watch. Vampire Diaries and Secret Circle on the CW also premieres Thursday, September 15th at 9 p.m. So, two sci-fi shows back-to-back. That one, I believe, is a little bit more like witchcraft type thing. 
Okay. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I might have it wrong. If you watch Secret Circle, I, it's a new show, actually. So it's, forgive me. The bolded shows here are new shows. So, uh, The Big Bang Theory. Now, it says NBC, but I think they might, this might be a typo from from the source. From Blaster. So. It's actually CBS. Uh, season 5 premieres uh, Thursday, September 22nd at 8 p.m. And you will be watching it. I will be watching I love Big Bang Theory. Yeah, so you will be watching. Mm-hmm. Persons of Interest. Um, I've heard some things about this show. Nothing I'm uh, nothing I'm planning on watching unless I hear more buzz about it closer to the time. Series premiere is Thursday, September 22nd at 9 p.m. Um, a Gifted Man uh, on CBS. Uh, series premieres Friday, September 23rd at 8 p.m. Nikita on the CW. Uh, season 2 premiere Friday, September 23rd at 8 p.m. And something that we're both looking forward to, Fringe which is on Fox, Come season four premieres September 23rd, Friday at 9 p.m. Yep, and then uh, Supernatural, the CW season seven premieres Friday, September 23rd at 9 p.m., so competing with Fringe, Whoa. which means I won't be watching Supernatural, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But season seven, that's a long run. Well, CW gives their, time, their shows time to grow. They do. They do. Uh, Terra Nova show I'm really excited for. I will be watching it. Mm-hmm, me too. Fox series premiere Monday, September 26th at 8 p.m. Yep, September 26th. The Walking Dead, another one that I will be watching. Series premieres in October. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, Bedlam is on BBC America. Uh, the series premiere is on Saturday, October 8th at 9 p.m. Chuck on NBC. Season 5 premieres Friday. October 21st at 8 p.m. Now, this, is course, is the final season of Chuck. Oh, really? Okay. That's what I hear. Hmm. Uh, Grimm, uh, NBC, it's a series premieres Friday, October 21st at 9 p.m. Yep. A Once Upon a Time, I don't know anything about it, but it's on ABC. Series premieres Sunday, October 23rd at 8 p.m. Alcatraz, a show we've talked about and we're interested in, is going to be on Fox. Uh, series premieres mid-season on Mondays at 9 p.m. Which means what? Like January, December? Good question. Uh, that's a sad. <coughs> I was kind of hoping that came out in the fall. But, no, me too. But The River, ABC, a series premiere in the mid-season. Uh, Touch is on Fox. Series premiere is in mid-season. And Awake, NBC, series premiere in mid-season. So I don't know anything about the last three there. But mm-hmm. Alcatraz, I'm stoked for. Yep. I'm really me sad too. it's not a fall premiere. At least, least, at least, uh, uh, Terranova will be. Yeah. Uh, Jen, one of our listeners did write in and say, well, what, one of the ones that I will be right watching are, um, the, the ringer, which I'm sure I'll give it a chance. It's cause Sarah Miguel, Michelle Geller from Buffy fame's in it. And then Secret Circle, which I'll also give it a chance to start. Um, and Fringe and Supernatural. And they're also, um, 23rd, right around my birthday and the 24th. So that's a good birthday present for her. Cool. Right. And those are shows, that she, and they're competing shows. Uh, I hope she has a DVR. <laughs> uh, I'm not wondering now. I wonder if you had a fringe and supernatural throwdown for, for Jen from New York. Which one will win? Jen, chime in. Let us know. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm, hedging, I'm hedging my best in supernatural, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Mm. Maybe she's more of a fringy than I thought. Miles, let's talk about uh, movie news here a little bit. We, of course, heard this week that um, that the Deathly Hallows broke all sorts of international records, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you have not seen it. I saw the first installment. I don't have any plans right now to go watch the second installment of the Deathly Hallows. But this movie is significant. It's one of the biggest franchises ever. 
mm-hmm. to be released, but it broke domestic and international records. It pulled in $645 million at the box office the first weekend is out. That's amazing. That is absolutely astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the ending of all endings. It pulled in, it's just great, it's just incredible. I've seen, uh, I think I think when it, when it debuted um, on a local paper, you know a lot a lot of you know Potter files are happy and sad at the same time. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it beat the previous record set by The Dark Knight in two thousand eight by more than ten million domestically. Hmm. It's expected to surpass the nine five five point five million worldwide gross set by Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. That film exceeds the opening weekend of Part One. Which has earned 125 million domestically. It will likely become the highest grossing Harry Potter film of all time as well. That would beat Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which earned 974 million worldwide in 2001. And, and that adjusts to 1.2 billion in inflation. But it could become the highest grossing film of all time. The title belongs to Avatar, which would gross 2.8 billion worldwide. Deadly Owls Part 2 would still have to gross more than four times that, and that's not like that's not really likely. So, I think J.K. Rowling is set for life. <laughs> yeah, it could, however, top other films like The Dark Knight, one billion, and Alice in Wonderland, one point two billion. Toy Story three, one point six, one point zero six billion, and Pirates of the Caribbean: Ten Man's Chest, one point zero seven billion. I would leave it behind only Avatar, Titanic, and Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Lord of the Rings is probably the closest contender. That's one point one two billion. And then Titanic's a little bit more in shot at, well, that's not even, that's a little bit further ahead with 1.84 billion. And in Avatar, of course, we said. James Cameron's still king of the world. He still is, yeah. He's still, he, he will be for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about some comic news here. What, there's some changes coming to Superman. Right. And, uh, we, we, I think we talked about this a, a while back that, you know, basically DC is pretty much doing a reboot of all its, uh, superheroes. Yeah. And, um, so DC changes to Superman will be bigger than we thought, and there's a kind of co- cool picture of uh, what he looks like. Um, information has been trickling in from DC about the new 52-issue relaunch. Today we received some major news about the Man of Steel himself, Superman. Let's talk about what's happening and what it means. Action Comics, where, Action Comics, where Superman made his first appearance, now written by Grant Morrison and drawn by uh, Rags Morales, will tackle his new origin, explaining how our hero becomes America's greatest champion. How different will it be? Well, take a look at the press release and see for yourself. This Superman is very much an alien, one struggling to adjust to his adopted home. In this series, he must come to terms with both the loss of his home world and as well as the loss of his adopted parents. He is more Kal-El from the planet of Krypton than Clark Kent from Kansas. He is a loner trying to find his place in the world. For our money, these shifts make, a radically, make for a radically different character. Gone is the boy who grew up feeling the tug of human roots, and instead we have a man who has lost both his uh, birth and adoptive parents. That's the kind of an- uh, ang- angsty backstory that could give two Batman a run for their money. What this means in the reader's perspective is that we're switching from a character who starts out connected with humanity and, and thus with us, to a character whose narrative plays out slowly through his distinction from us. Rather than beginning with a desire to protect the people around him, he must adapt to the world and develop a reason to care for humanity. He's still identifiable. After all, who hasn't looked at his fellow man from time to time and felt a complete disconnect? 
We struggle to understand each other every day, and this new Superman origin looks to be attempting to tell that story. There's little more info on what to expect from the new action comics. This, the series uh, first storyline will explore the origins of Superman's costume as it evolves from a look that includes uh, jeans and work boots into a new look, a, a suit of uh, battle armor that pays tribute to his Kryptonian past. His great powers have limits. When the series begins, Superman can leap tall buildings, but his ability to fly is in its infancy. The idea of an evolving costume has potential. What Superman wears while he's flying around and saving the world says nearly as much about the, what the action he takes. This isn't the first time Superman hasn't been able to fly. In particular, this may be an attempt to pull in fans of the recently completed Smallville TV series. Narratively speaking, it simply means that our hero has a long way to grow before he becomes anything like the Superman we've, we've come to respect. It's not all the, it's not all the origin stories, though. We're also reading a present-day uh, story written by uh, George Perez and drawn by uh, Jesus Marino with the ongoing comic Superman. Here's a little background on, the, on this one. Uh, Clark Kent is single and living on his own. He has never been married. Lois Lane is dating a colleague at the Daily Planet, and his name is Clark Kent, and she has a new position within the paper. This confirms a long-held suspicion that uh, Clark and Lois would not be immediate love story. This gives the writers an opportunity to grow both the characters separately. It also means we may see Superman locking lips with a certain uh, Themyscarin who is uh, into lassos, or maybe it's just no, more fodder for Clark to brood over. Only time will tell. What do you make of these changes? Will you read the tales of the new man of tomorrow? I don't know, Miles. Will you? I'm probably not going to devote the financial resources for that um, into, into comic books right now. May, um, I really wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could. It, it looks very interesting. Maybe when – sometime they'll come out with an anthology of a whole bunch of them together, and that's something I could probably do. Yeah. Um, I probably Now, we talked about this a couple months ago. The new Star Trek will be putting out some new comic books – that's what my So mind. you might invest in that. I might invest priorities, in that. Priorities, Exactly, right. exactly. Right. Well, it sounds good. I, these changes aren't totally shocking. I mean, especially mm-hmm. if you've grown up with Smallville, you see a lot of the same ideas and tropes explored. And sure. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of, there's some haters out there not wanting DC to do this, but I, I kind of understand, you know, Updating the characters um, and you know reboots have been done before. I mean, in, in, yeah, we love reboots. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but in comic books, I mean, I mean, Superman got his start back in the late '30s, and so right. there's been there's been you know I, I, there's been reboots along the way with that. I guess the, the current one's been going back since the '80s or '90s. Right. So it's been a while. Yeah. Well, let's moving into some other superheroes. Let's talk about some DVD news, and this is uh, for Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. The full specs for Batman Year One have been released regarding the Blu-ray and the DVD on October 18th, and uh, they're followed. Um, and we have a trailer that I'll paste in the show notes so you can get that. But basically, here's what this is about. Um, this is from. Year One is based on the landmark 1987 DC Comics titles from a 12-time Eisner Award winner Frank Miller and depicts Bruce Wayne's return to Gotham City in his first attempts to fight injustice as a costume vigilante. The Playboy millionaire chooses the guise of a giant bat to combat crime, creates an early bond with young Lieutenant James Gordon, who is already battling corruption from inside the police department, inadvertently plays a role in the birth of Catwoman and helps bring down the crooked political system that infests Gotham. So, uh, it probably significant here is, um, the cost number one isn't that astronomical for this, uh, this, 
full length to view. Mm-hmm. It's what twenty four bucks Blu ray. That's not bad. No, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, some voices here that are significant. Uh, we have Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, who's voicing uh, Ben McKenzie from Southland and the OC, Eliza Dusku from Dollhouse, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica, and provides uh, and provide the course voices for Batman Year One. Three-time Emily Award winner uh, Cranston gives voice to the young Jim Gordon while McKenzie makes his animated voice her debut as Bruce Wayne's Batman. Fanboy favorites Disku and Sackoff fill the roles of Selena Kyle, Catwoman, and Detective Sarah Eisen. So, ah, some good stuff here. Oh, yeah. I've, I've always enjoyed uh, the um, straight-to-DVD movies that the folks from DC and have been putting out. So. so, is this one already in your queue? Um... I, no, no, not yet. Um, but it will be. Oh, definitely. I'm definitely going to watch this when it comes out. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into the twist, Miles, this week in Star Trek. Well, this week in Star Trek, we've got some uh, possible, uh, like Chris Pine, is he in consideration as a new RoboCop or is this just a rumor? And uh, it has become Hollywood cliche that whenever a major project is in development, Star Trek star Chris Pine's name ends up being reportedly attached. The latest project reportedly looking at Pine is MGM's reboot of RoboCop. More info below. Uh, so so for the last few years, MGM has been developing a reboot, reboot remake of RoboCop. Uh, Paul uh, Verhoeven's 87 cult classic about a Detroit cop turned cyborg. The new RoboCop is currently being written with uh, uh, Jose uh, Pada tapped to direct. A number of actors have been said to be under consideration to star, including Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, and Johnny Depp. All were more in line of age with uh, Peter Weller when he originally played uh, Officer Alex Murphy, Robocop. Now a new report at, at Twitch says that MGM is interested in a younger actor taking on the role uh, with Star Trek's Chris Pine, who is, uh, who is now 30 at the top of the list. Uh, Chris Pine has already taken on two major franchise recastings as uh, Star Trek's James T. Kirk and, and as the new Jack Ryan for the next Tom Clancy movie. Pine is expected to be spending much of this next year playing Kirk and Ryan for Paramount, so it isn't clear if he would be available for MGM RoboCop, and while MGM may be interested in Pine, it isn't clear if Pine would be interested in taking on another action film franchise role. Uh, what do you think of Chris Pine as RoboCop? Ah, oh, man. Um, I mean, there's enough armor there that you wouldn't see much of him anyways if it's a traditional RoboCop, right? Right. It's just uh, definitely a departure from, from Peter Weller, and uh, I just can't see it. Right. So, well, next on on the list um, is the captain screening uh, William Shatner in New York and L.A. Uh, for the his documentary, The Captains. As you all probably know, William Shatner, the captain's documentary, is set to premiere on Epics uh, July 22nd. In fact, we have a special contest where you can win the captain's uh, swag and be part of the Trek fandom history. Aside from that, there are two special events set for July 25th and 30th that include the Shat, uh, Trek costuming or cosplay, as what the kids call it, and in a whole bunch of uh, dead celebrities. Okay, so maybe that last part seems morbid, but it's not. We swear, oh, and best of all, it's free. On July 25th, Epics will be holding a special screening of the captains at the Hollywood Forever Memorial Park in L.A. that includes a showing of the, of the documentary uh, with an in-person appearance and introduction by William Shatner himself. Uh, plus a Trek costume contest with lucky winner getting a chance to hang with the original James Tiberius Kirk. So be sure to show up in your best uh, Landru, Magato, or even Nomad costume to win the special uh, meet and greet with the big man. 
For those who don't know, the Hollywood Forever Memorial Park is a final resting place to more of Hollywood's uh, founders and stars than anywhere else on earth. Founded in 1899, the cemetery is an integral part of the growth of early Hollywood Paramount Studios was built on the back half of the original Hollywood Cemetery, where the studio is still in operation today. Um, So Captain's uh, LA screening, uh, Monday, July 25th, Hollywood Forever Memorial Park, doors open at 7 p.m. Captain's New York screening, uh, Saturday, July 30th, uh, Intrepid Air Space Museum, doors open at 7.30 mid. It sounds like you have a trip to New York coming. Oh, man, I wish I could go. (laughs) That'd be fun. You don't work that day. Yeah, but uh, just just not not good timing right now. Not good timing, okay. But, uh, yeah, well, if any of you go, Jen, from New York, or anyone else goes, let us know if you go to see Captain. Yeah, please do. And let us know if you get to see the Shad himself. Oh, yeah. Talking about another original series, man. Mm-hmm. we got to talk about our favorite, Leonard Nimoy. So he, he's, he's saying it makes it official retirement after just three more conventions. <clears throat> Sorry. Miles, this is episode 105, right? Right. Because I seem to remember talking about this about episode like 53. I know. Where we announced that Leonard Nimoy is retiring. Mm-hmm. And now Star Trek, you know, I guess 11 and mm-hmm. a couple fringe episodes later. Transformers 3. Yeah, he is retiring. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how long this one lasts. And, and, and it very well could last, but it's just this is not the first time he has said this. No, no. Hey, if you wave enough money in front of him, give him the right script, I don't think he'll be retired long. He could, he could, he could probably change his mind if uh, they. Yeah. Uh, but he is I, again, like we said, we've said many times, he's older. Right. The man is eighty years old, and I, I don't, I don't blame him for if, if he if he wants to, you know, yeah, you know, stop doing this. Yeah. But, uh, love to see him in something else again, if possible. Yeah, well, we'd love to see uh, Miss Diener back, wouldn't we, Doctor Diener? Yes, and uh, a friend of the podcast. Uh, she has, uh, you know, started her own little campaign um, in uh, called "Make Me Diener." Uh, so th- this is Mary, uh, Mary the Televixen, uh, who uh, co-hosts uh, DVD Geeks with John Champion. Um, also, she's a you know diehard Trekkie and uh, an aspiring actress herself. She's done some, she has done some acting, um, but she. Uh, She's on his website now, and, and there's a Facebook page if, to uh, support this effort. Right. It's MakeMeDiener.com, right? Make, MakeMeDiener.com, yeah. All right. And uh, she kind of has the look, doesn't she? She, she does. You know, I, it would not be a, you know, huge departure for, you know, to see her cast in that role. And uh, we don't even know if, if J.J. has that character even in mind, but that character was in, in the second pile of the original series. And she, she gives a very good argument and um, – so JJ, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody knows JJ, right, right, uh, right, who's listening, yep, uh, please, please uh, make Televix and Diener. Yes, yep, uh, that's that. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, thank you for sharing the twist tonight. This week in Star Trek is awesome as always, getting us the latest in Trek news. You we have more. No, well, that, that, that's that's it for this week. That's it for this week. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go into our awesome interview with Aaron Rosenberg, we want to give you our next, our, our last podcast promo for tonight. And it's 
with Kevin Batchelder from Tuning in Sci-Fi. They are doing a countdown on the top genre themes of all times. Theme songs, I assume is what they mean. And I have my list of 10 ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, make sure you get your list of 10. Okay. And topping my list is Children of Dune. Children of Dune, the miniseries. Okay. So uh, so here it is. And enjoy this little trip down memory lane. And make sure you go to tuningintosci-fi.tv.com to put in your vote. Put in your vote for the top genre themes of all time. Genre television themes of all time. Tuning into sci-fi TV.com. And we're back. We are about ready to do an interview with Aaron Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. Now, We've seen Aaron Rosenberg at the cons for the past couple of years. We have. Mm-hmm. And I had the chance to sit down with him while Miles was off staring at something else. And uh, I don't know what you were doing, actually. Uh, uh, we can make something up fun. And, maybe, uh, maybe I was – was, uh, He was trying to go through the Stargate. It wasn't working. No, it wasn't working at the time. It wasn't working at the time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I sat down with Aaron Rosenberg to talk with him about his new novel series he's coming out called – uh, the, as part of the Scattered Earth Saga, uh, which, by the way, I read, as I mentioned before, a couple of these books. And I just want to tell you a little bit about them. There are three out right now, actually two books out and one short story that you can buy. And they're envisioning a saga that will encompass, they're ambitious here, 30 to 40 books, maybe more. Wow. And Keith R.A. DeCanado, they have slated to write, to write some. There are three main authors with a lot of side authors that are signed on to do it. So they're going to talk a little bit about that first, about his book. And his book is called The Birth of the Dread Memora. And I just finished reading it and absolutely loved it. Love the space pirates. It's definitely space opera. Cool. So in it. And, um, you know, what, what happens when a civilization first breaks to the stars? You know, first does interstellar traveler, you know, this kind of reminds me of the episode when they, Launch a Cochrane and the Vulcans come. Oh yeah, you know. So, kind of what happens when you make first contact the very mm-hmm. first time, and what's that like? Um, he also has one out called Cross Paths, which is a tale of the Dreadmora, and then there's a second book in the series called The Second Veil, which is written by I got the name right here, David Niall Wilson, which I'm going to try and bring an interview with him a little bit later on, maybe next week. Okay, so maybe next week we'll see if that happens. So anyways, just wanted to share that with you. And Aaron Rosenberg is known in Star Trek, some Star Trek work and some Stargate work as mm-hmm. well. So I hope you enjoy it. It was done on the con floor, so you'll hear a lot of talking in the background. You might even hear R2-D2 beeping by. 
somewhere in the background. So well, I you get a little, little con experience. Yep, you can get the real, you can get the con raw. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, here is Aaron Rosenberg, so enjoy. All right, so I'm sitting with Aaron Rosenberg. I'm saying your name right? Yep. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Star Trek author, uh, author general, and as much in the world of sci-fi, and has a great endeavor called Crazy 8. We're going to talk about that and also about some of his work. So welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks. Appreciate it. This is technically the second time we're doing this. The first yes. time we had all sorts of Skype stuff happening. And uh, we wanted a little bit clearer recording, and no trouble with Skype. So here we are. That's right. Here we are at Shoreleaf 33, and you've been enjoying the con so far? I have, yeah. Shoreleaf's always a fun. I've been here like, I don't know, four or five times so far. It's been it's been a little bit more work for you this year, though. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm on seven panels, and I'm doing two stints on a writing marathon. Yeah, so... Um, what do you want to talk about first? Crazy Eight or uh, your work? Doesn't matter to you? No, doesn't matter. All right. So let's give people, for people who don't know Aaron Rosenberg, tell us a little bit about uh, you, your writing a little bit, and we'll, okay. go, we'll start there. Sure. Um, well, I've been writing professionally for about 16 years or so. Um, started out in role-playing games. So I started writing role-playing games with some friends. Put out our own role-playing game in, I think, 1994. And then from there I started writing for other companies like White Wolf and Wizards of the Coast and uh, Grey Ghost Games and a couple of others. Um, written about 70 role-playing games. And um, after that I sort of segued into fiction. Started writing fiction for role-playing games first and then started writing novels. Um, wrote a novel for White Wolf's Exalted Game. Then started writing Star Trek novels. And wrote five books for Star Trek SCE, the Starfleet Corps of Engineers series. And um, from there, I've just been doing a lot of novels. Um, now, have most of them been tie-in novels at this point? Most of them, up until this year, were tie-in novels. Okay, yeah. and so now you're into your you're into some of your own original work. Right, right? Some of my own original work. My first original novel, uh, The Birth of the Dread Remora which is the space opera novel, which is the first book in the Scattered Earth saga. I just picked it up, so I can't wait to read it. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, that came out in March. Okay. So that was that's my first original novel out. Awesome. Um, and now also, um, well, also I've been doing uh, young adult books. Okay. And children's books. And my first two original children's books came out in April. And are they sci-fi related? No, they're not, actually. They're not. They're they're not. not. Because I mean that, and that plays in a little bit to your your regular day job, you know, with Harper Collins, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what do you do for Harper Collins? I do desktop publishing for the children's book division. Okay, so it plays right so, into that. Yeah. Awesome. And how and how have those books been for you? You see, the children's books? Yeah. Very well so far. The first book uh, it's a series called Pete and Penny's Pizza Puzzles. Okay. <laughs> and the first book is called The Case of the Secret Sauce. And it was a um, bestseller for Scholastic in March. Or that's, April. that's awesome. So yeah, that's great. So very happy about that. Um, second book is out already, and books three and four will be out next year. Okay, and they, they all, do they all play into each other? Yes. Well, they're all series. Um, they're all about um, these this brother and sister named Pete and Penny, who are. Um, Aaron, hey, you got to stop Peter David's oh, throwing oh, money at you. Peter David's throwing money at me. That's <laughs> great. Why are you throwing money great. at me? That's your share of the galleys that I've been selling. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Hey, Much appreciated. Nice. Yes, always a good thing when Peter David gives me money. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, he doesn't part with that easily. Well, <laughs> um, and that's part of the Crazy Eight venture, which we'll talk about yeah, in a, a minute. Bit. 
Um, yeah, but the Pete and Penny's books, uh, Pete and Penny are brother and sister. Their parents own the pizza shop in town. Okay. And their two favorite things are pizzas and puzzles. So every book is a mystery, and every chapter has a puzzle of some sort for the reader to solve. Awesome. And they all play into the mystery of the book itself. So Very cool, very cool. Yeah. And now, I heard rumors, and I heard this on a panel that I heard you speak about Crazy at Farpoint, and we talked about some duck... There's a story about a duck somewhere in your brain? Oh, yeah. That's actually my first novel for uh, Crazy 8. Okay. It's called No Small Bills. That will be out in August. Okay. So and we only have a month to wait for that. Yeah. We only have a month to wait for that. Yeah. Oh, no. September. It's out in September. Okay. September. Yes. I was like, wait. Can't be out that soon. Yeah, it's September. <laughs> oh, we want to talk about, obviously, your publishing venture with Crazy 8. Before we do that, tell me about the Destromath series. The Destro... Is it Destromath? What is it? The, this, the, the book that you put out. Your oh, The Dread Remora. Dread Remora. The Dread Remora. Sorry, yes. I had the name wrong. Yes, The Dread Remora. Um, well, The Dread Remora is part of the Scattered Earth Saga, or The Tales of the Scattered Earth, okay. which is something that I developed with uh, David Neil Wilson and Steve Seville. Okay. Um, the three of us are all friends. Okay. Um, that helps. It helps. <laughs> um, David is also the publisher of Crossroad Press, um, which is a company that is putting out this book. The three of us started talking about uh, wanting to do a big science fiction, particularly space opera, saga. Um, we wanted to do something really large. We wanted. We were thinking Babylon Five, okay. and we wanted to do something that had the potential to cross over to graphic novels, um, TV, movies, etc. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we came up with this huge idea, which is the Scattered Earth saga, mm-hmm. and we actually mapped out a rough timeline for essentially five seasons. Okay. And then each of us took a corner of it to develop as our own. Okay. And so we're each creating our own section within the Scattered Earth Saga. Um, so the Dread Remora is mine. And I created the world that it comes from, all the characters, and the ship, and everything that's involved in that. And I will be writing the Dread Remora novels. So the Birth of the Dread Remora is out now. Uh, the Honor of the Dread Remora will be out in November, in time for the holidays. Uh, meanwhile, David has written his first Scattered Earth novel, which is called The Second Veil. And is that out yet? That, that is out in ebook now, and it will be out in print in about two weeks. Okay. So I probably have this errors in it. Possibly so, yes. Okay. I, I have a proof copy here, which I will be showing off the Scattered Earth panel today. Okay, good. So, I plan on sitting in that panel. Yep. Okay. Um, and then uh, Steve is working on his own series, which is uh, tentatively titled Remnants at the moment. And that's not out that's what? That's not out yet. That is not out yet. He's currently working on that. And then we have a couple other authors, uh, including uh, Keith DeCandido and Steve Lockley, who are also working on books within the series. Okay. Because what we wanted to do was we wanted to have sort of the core storylines, which David and Steve and I are writing as, as the IP holders and creators. And then we wanted to open it up to other authors and say, hey, you know, do you have an idea that will fit in this? Do you want to play in this, in this universe? Because it's huge. And we have all this space in it. And as long as, you know, basically we have a Bible that we give all the other authors and say, you know, here, here are the guidelines, here are the details we haven't revealed to readers yet, but you'll need to know to make sure your books don't cross any lines. Right. Um, and within that framework, anything you want to come up with is fine. And, you know, so it's fun because we have other authors basically saying, oh, this looks, this looks neat. Yeah, I want to play in this world. Um, so we're creating this whole thing. So, I mean, the, the big thing is creating the Bible first mm-hmm. that, that really governs the world. And yes. then you, uh, each focusing. So, you're each writing these own stories. Mm-hmm. 
are they are they crossing paths ever at any point? They will, yes. So ultimately down the timeline somewhere we're gonna see these books colliding, these characters colliding, and you'll be uh, intersecting worlds. Yes, very much so. And we already have that knocked out. We've already figured out where they're gonna cross. Um, and you know, but that's a year or two down the line. Yeah, so we have a little bit to go. Yes. Uh, go. How many books are your, is your goal a year to put out in this series? Well, we're obviously this is the first year, so we're just ramping up. Right. Um, but we're we're planning on getting to probably six to eight books a, a year, year in the series. In the series. Yeah. Right. And we'll each be, like I said, we'll each be doing, you know, one of our own, or possibly more than one of our own in the year, and then we'll have other authors basically coming into the schedule and sort of mixing it and fleshing out the world. Yep. The series. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Tell me about uh, Crazy Eight, which we kind of alluded to, and this is. Um, the other venture that's uh, that you're kind of involved with. Yes. Crazy Eight is a venture that actually started here at Shorty last year. Um, you start up in the bar because Dave Moore told me that's where everything starts. Actually, no, it started over by the men's bathroom. Okay. okay. Um, Michael Jan Friedman, um, you know, renowned Star Trek author and, and author of other books, was sort of realizing, you know, something that we're all sort of noticing a lot, which is that publishing is undergoing a lot of change right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with with the advent of ebooks and self publishing and all these other things, um, there are lots more opportunities available to authors right now. Opportunities to not only make more money, but also just have more control over what's going on with our properties. And so he started talking to various friends um, to see if anybody was interested in trying to develop something that would take advantage of some of these. And um, myself, Peter David, uh, Glenn Howman. Bob Greenberger and Howie Weinstein were among the people who said, okay, yeah, this is something that we want to you know, look into. Let, let's see what we can do. And it took us a while to figure out what exactly we were going to do about that and how it was going to work because what we were really concerned about was getting the products out to the readers as cleanly as possible and with as few layers between us and them as possible. And also making sure that each of us retain all of the control over our own properties. Right. You know, because that's something that's really important to everybody. Um, and what we came up with was Crazy Eight Press, which is a coalition of the six of us. And yes, there are six of us. It's called Crazy Eight. Um, and basically what we're doing is we're putting out our own original work, both new works and in the cases of people like Peter and Michael, also um, some of their older books that rights have reverted to them. So, you know, this is a chance for them to take books that a publisher may have felt, okay, it's too old, it's not selling enough copies anymore, we don't want it anymore. And the author still says, well, it's still a good book, and I think people will still want to read it. You know, and, and to put it back out and make it available for people again. And even if it sells a few copies, that's... There's money in the office. Exactly, exactly. Especially if, I mean, the book's been written, it's just going to sit there collecting dust, and it's going to... Yes, exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly, because ebook publishing is all about the long tail. It's all about the fact that your books don't have to sell in three months to be counted as a, a success or a failure, the way right. it does with big publishing. Your book can be up there for years, it's fine. And if somebody, you know, buys it, exactly, if you sell a couple copies, you know, over the course of a year... That's great because yeah. that book is available. Those people may want it, right. and you're still making money off it. You know, and it's written already. It's not you know a lot of extra work. Exactly. You know, I mean the conversion and all that. Mm-hmm. Still, yeah, that's awesome. So and that's so, go ahead. Yeah. So that's that's the basics behind it. Um, the first book for Crazy Eight is Peter David's The Camelot Papers, 
right. which um, is out great now. Great cover, by the way. It's a great cover. Uh, it's by J.K. Woodward. He's a really good artist. Um, and that book is now available. It became available on July 8th. It is available both. It, it is currently available in ebook form, and by the time this airs, it should be available in print. Because and I saw some print copies. So. Uh, yes, Peter. Well, Peter has the uncorrected proofs here. Okay. And the book is already available for order, so it's technically already available for sale. Right. Um, so that's our first one, and you know, Peter was very excited about getting that out. And you know, again, it's nice because he's able to put that out before he wants it. In. And get it directly to the people who want to read it. You right. know? So there's no there's no barriers for that, which is really what we're trying to do. Um, the second book out will be my book, No Small Bills, which is a very silly science fiction novel in the in the flavor of Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide. Right. Um, and I'm kind of interested because I'm a huge Douglas Adams fan. Are you? Okay. So good. That, good. So am I. So, so that, that helps. Exactly. That helps. You know, and the thing with that is, you know, and this is this is really what Crazy It is about. I mean, I came up with this idea. For a silly science fiction novel about a duck-headed man trying to save the universe, right. and you know, I just wanted to do something fun. I just wanted to write a book that would be fun to write and hopefully fun to read. You know, and I had people who read chapters of it and they thought it was fun. I had agents read chapters of it and they thought it was fun. I've had editors read chapters of it and they thought it was fun. But the response I was getting from agents and editors was, well. Humorous science fiction doesn't sell. We need vampires and werewolves. Exactly, we need vampires <laughs> and werewolves. Whereas the response I'm getting from readers is, we need something funny. Nobody's writing anything funny. You know, but there's that disconnect going on. And Crazy Eight is there to bridge that gap and say, well, you want a funny science fiction novel? We have a funny science fiction novel, and we're not going to let the editors and the agents tell us we can't do this, so we're going to give it to you. Now, how much of an interaction, I mean, you're mentioning a really close relationship to the reader here, where the reader's saying, we want a silly science fiction. I mean, is this, is Crazy 8 the type of press that uh, people can come to you and say, hey, we would love to see more of this, and you say, well, we're going to yes. give it to you. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly, that, that is one of the points. So we want people to be able to say to us, you know, we would love to see a book about, you know, kitchen witches. You know, a fun, silly little tale about kitchen witches. And one of us may say, well, I have a tale about kitchen witches that, you know, people were telling me, you know, editors were telling me no one would ever buy. You're telling me you want to buy it, so I'm going to make it available. Or we may say, well, that's a fun idea. We could do an anthology of kitchen witch stories. We could, you know, one of us may have an idea already that we've had sitting around and figured nobody wanted yet, but if people want it, we'll happily write it. You know, it's the time from conception to release for a small press like Crazy Eight is so much shorter than the two-year span you need for a commercial print. Right. You know, that we can do that. We can say, oh, the time is really good for kitchen wood stories right now. Great. Let's come out with those kitchen wood stories sure. and put them out. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that, that time period is... Mm -hmm. Nice. And you were here, you, you, I mean, Crazy Eight's writing a short story slash novel yes. novella here right at the convention. Yes, we're writing a novella right here at the convention. Um, it is to support the uh, comic book legal defense fund. And the idea was that we would solicit for first line at the Crazy Eight panel yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then we let the crowd vote on which line they liked the best. And we started with that line. We had no idea where the story was going, and 
each of us is writing for an hour at a time. And we're rotating through. And they're writing in front of everyone. And we're writing in front of everyone. There's a monitor up so people can actually read it as we write it. Um, How nerve-wracking is that? You know, it's actually... I, I, I was worried that it would be, but it's just really fun. no one's there. Well, you know, it's kind of nice, actually, to have people sort of stop by and say... Oh, what are you doing? Oh, what's this? Oh, that's kind of neat. You know, watching watching it scroll past, it's kind of fun because normally the life of a writer, when you're writing, it's so closed off. You're oh, yeah, so you're right behind the computer, you're behind your laptop, exactly. that's it. No one sees you at all. You know, you're closeted away for possibly months writing something. You know, and then it comes out and then you get to go out and, and talk to people. This way they're actually seeing it in process and they're seeing you in process. And it's, yeah, it, it's fun. Um, we're having a good time with it. And, you know, none of us knows when we sit down at the computer... Where what's been done before us, we have to catch up on what's been done, what people have added so far, and then see where it's going to go next. And nobody else knows where we're going to take it by the end, by the time we're done with our hour. So you know, it's it's a fun venture. We're having a good time with it. And uh, uh, when will that? Are you you're, are you writing again today? You are writing again. Today. I am writing again today. And, and the goal is to have that complete before the end of shortly. The goal is to have it complete by the end of shortly, um, and then we will read back over it and we'll clean it up, you know, as much as it needs right. to be. And then you know we'll we'll build a cover for it. And um, I believe the goal is to have it up by the twentieth. By the twentieth. Yep. And all the, it will be available on uh, the Crazy Eight site through the Crazy Eight site. Um, I believe it'll be available on Amazon. Um, probably BarnesandNoble.com. You know wherever else. And all the money is going to go to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. This is this is strictly a charity item that we just thought would be a fun way to sort of you know start off Crazy Eight and get the word out and give money to a good cause. Right, and plus so, uh, you know people again, it's it's kind of what Crazy Eight's about. Their people, the readers, are getting a voice in this yes. novel. Exactly. exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that the first time you've done something like this? It is the first time we've done something like this. Uh, Mike is the one who came up with the idea, and we all thought, that sounds like a lot of fun. And we're all having a good time with it. I mean, you know, we may wind up making this a regular event. I don't know. You know well, it's fascinating to watch and see. Yeah, you know. So, where can people, let's, where can people find Crazy Eight? If our listeners say, you know, I want to find Crazy Eight, I want to find out more about their books. I want Absolutely. To- CrazyEightPress.com. Um, eight is actually the number as opposed to spelled out. Um, that's where you can find our site. Each of us um, has or will very shortly have links to the Crazy Eight site, of course. Um, you can find the Camelot Papers on Amazon and Barnes & Noble already. I believe it's already up on Smashwords and other sites as well. Uh, we have direct links to it from our site as well, so you can just click straight through it. Um, you know, that's, I mean, one of the nice things is that because there are six of us involved, we're all talking about it. You know, so we're all going to be, um, you know, trying to get the word out about Crazy Eight and encouraging people to go check it out and check each other's work out, which is really, that was the other point of this was that we're all friends. You know, we're all, you know, professional writers and we want to support each other's work. You know, so it's not just one person saying, oh, you should read my book. It's also saying, well, check out my friend's book because it's really good. You know, you should, you should take a look at this. You know, Camelot Papers has a preview for No Small Bills in the back of it. Okay. Um, you know, and No Small Bills will have a preview for probably Mike's novel, which will be our November release, I believe. You know, so, and that way, you know, again, we're just trying to, you know, encourage people to say, look, we have a lot of good books out here. You know, not just one, a lot of different authors, a lot of different projects, something for everybody, hopefully. And will this link also to your other work, like the, uh, you know, like your, um, what's the press that you're working with for your own book? Crossroad Press? Yeah, we'll also have links to Crossroad Press and some yes. of that stuff as well. Yeah, the Crazy Eight the Crazy Eight site has links 
to all of our other books. So you can click through and buy you know all of our other things you know off of Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other sites as well. Um, yeah. Right. And what is the uh, because you're doing it yourself, you're able to live the deliver this product at a uh, slightly uh, more cost effective way as well, right? Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, we're trying to keep the cost you know reasonable. You know, both both to us and to the readers. You know, we want to we want to price these books at prices that are, you know, reasonable to everybody. You know, you cut out still... the middleman. You can do that exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us, Aaron. Yeah, I'm glad we can make this work here at short leave. <laughs> and good luck is the next hour you're going to be writing. I am. I'm about to so, about to uh, sit down and write some more. We will so. we will be able to read it and evaluate it for ourselves. Yep. <laughs> and hopefully buy it and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and they can follow. Do you have your own site as well? I do. Um, I've got GriffinRose.com. G-R-Y-P-H-O-N-R-O-S-E. Um, people can also follow me on Twitter at GriffinRose, and I'm on Facebook as well. Um, yeah. So you know, we all have we all have our own sites. Uh, there are links to all of them to the Crazy Eight Press page on our bios. So you know, yeah, we'll all be talking about it and you know, telling, keeping people up to date on what we're doing next. And, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we are back, Miles. It is time, as we always say, to wrap up the show and get out of here. But before we do that, we have our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. That we do, and uh, we have a great list of uh, J.P. Harvey's uh, sci-fi shows that he liked when he was a child. Yes, absolutely. So let's just run down through these. We'll take every other one, and let's start at number five. Mm-hmm. And um, number five is Arc 2. Mm-hmm. I remember Arc 2. It was... Uh, um, it was a Saturday morning uh, kids show, but it was a uh, you know. It was, what was it, it about? Basically, it, it, it's all it's basically a post-apocalyptic type Earth, and there is these these people in this um, this vehicle, very high tech for them, high tech vehicle for them, and just try, going around trying to do good things, and uh, um, you know, it was try to be positive, uplifting for a Saturday morning show. Very cool. I never, I never even heard of Arc Two. Mm-hmm. So, is it a cartoon? No, it's live action. All right, but geared toward kids. Right. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. All right, and do you have the next one? Next one is the Prisoner, and I'm not sure. I I I didn't see the Prisoner as a kid, so I'm I sure. didn't. I've heard about it and just haven't watched it. But that's his number four. Mm-hmm. Number three is UFO. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this one. I vaguely remember UFO. I, I almost want to think it was a British show, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. J.P. Harvey can correct us. Yes, he, yes. So, so I haven't done my homework, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't seen, but um, I, I don't. I don't. I, I, I've heard of UFO and could kind of see, you know, what I think it was about a moon base or something. Um, but yeah, it, was, it must have been really early seventies. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What about Space 1999? I remember Space 1999. I actually had, I had one of the rocket ships as a toy when oh, I was a child. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. And his number one, you've never heard of before. No, this 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 thing called Star Trek. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I assume the original series. Yeah, and you know that's one of my favorite sci-fi shows as a as a, as a child too. Um, it's one of my earliest memories is watching Star Trek with my dad um, way back when. That's awesome that you have that memory. Yep. 
JP Harvey, thank you so much for sharing your sci-fi five and five, five childhood shows. If you want to share your sci-fi five and five, email them to us. You can call them in at the sci-fi diner. Uh, yeah. You email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Call us in at one 888 And we'll place them on the show. Um, we have a poll up. Uh, if you're having been listening to sci-fi rewind, if you want to get involved with that, Check out our website and find out more about our Sci-Fi Rewind shows that will be coming up. It may not be up when you hear this episode, but it will be up soon after that. And uh, any thoughts on any of the news items we're sharing, let us know. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, I believe that's about it, Miles. Yep, I think we covered it pretty good. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you at the next diner. Until next time, good night and good luck. <laughs>